A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source in Pro Power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, one of my favorite guests and definitely my favorite tag team partner of all time returns to Talk is Jericho. Big show is back. And it's time for another great conversation with, I think, probably the best big man in the history of the business. But he's not so big anymore. He's dropped 90 pounds. Did you hear what I said? Big Show has dropped 90 pounds, and he's got abs. I don't think I've ever known him with abs, even since I met him back in 1996. He's going to tell us what inspired him to lose the weight and, as he says, become a body guy at 44 years old. He'll also share how he did it with diet and exercise and how he's sticking to it, why he's sticking to it. We're talking about Shaq and what happened to their proposed WrestleMania match. Show's angle with Floyd Mayweather that led to a a WrestleMania match. It's a great story. And, of course, his short-lived boxing career. I've never really talked to him about boxing why he decided to do it and then why he ultimately came back to wrestling he's going to tell us all about that we'll also find out why he took a body slam for a pre-smackdown champion jinder mahal a few months ago in champion illinois jinder talked about it we're going to hear show's side of the story it's a big big deal and you hear why and why he allowed it to happen and you know we got to talk about the undertaker who was a big mentor in the early days of show's career in the wwe show's also a fan of the 205 live guys the cruiserweights and Braun Strowman. Lots to talk about with Big Show, my old friend. Love him like a brother. And we're going to do that. But first, I want to tell you about another guy that I love like a brother, Diamond Dallas Page. Yes, you can do DDP yoga with Dallas himself. If you sign up for one of his DDP yoga workshops, he's doing more and more of them around the country. He's got one coming up June 23rd in Worcester, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. If you want to see when he'll be doing DDP yoga at live demonstrations in your town, just go to ddpyogaworkshops.com. And you know, if you've got the DDP Yoga Now app on your phone or tablet, you can access live workouts from the DDP Yoga Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia. Or Smyrna, Georgia, sorry. And that's just one of the cool features, special features on the app you can get nutrition and diet tips watch cooking classes hosted by ddp and track your progress and of course all the ddp yoga workouts are right there for you so you can do ddp yoga anytime 
any place, anywhere. You know the app is all I use now. I just grab my phone, open it up, and get to work on the bus, on tour, backstage in the dress room, in my hotel room, at Download, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. It's so easy. I just did DDP Yoga Monday after Fozzie's big Download Festival gig, which we'll mention. Uh, I'm here today recording the show in my hotel room uh, at the Sanctum Soho in London, one of my fa- one of my favorite hotels in the entire world. And uh, it's the place I always stay when I'm in London. I'm here right now as I get ready to host the Metal Hammer Award later on tonight it's been a busy week for Y2J but then again when is it not but uh, all I was doing uh, is, is DDP Yoga to get uh, over the uh, craziness of yesterday's download show I feel so much better so if you're thinking DDP Yoga might be the answer for you then take advantage of DDP Yoga's latest sale he's giving you 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app the DDP Yoga DVDs at all DDPY related match all you gotta do is go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho so get started on DDP Yoga Now jump on this 20 20% off the DDP Yoga Now app and all related match at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. 20% off hats, t-shirts, yoga mats, heart monitors, so much more. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life today. Get in the best physical and mental shape you've ever been in. Do it now. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Yeah. All right, before we get to the big show, let's talk a little bit about the Download Festival held in uh, Derby, England, close to Nottingham, close to Birmingham. And we've played the, the Download Festival four times, 2005, 2012, 2014, and 2017. And by far, the gig this weekend was the best download appearance we've ever had. Now, the thing about it is it was our second appearance on the main stage, which is huge. You always want to be on the main stage at Download. Uh, the last time we were on the main stage, we were second on the bill at noon. This year, we were designated as the openers, and I was a little bit like well i mean it's going to be early and um you never know hopefully people will be there but i think something i learned from 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 wrestling is that the two most important matches on the show are the main event and the opening match because the opening match sets the tone for the entire night and that really is true um so i took it that challenged and, and all of us were like well it doesn't matter who's out there we'll make sure that they have a crazy time we'll rock their socks off and set the tone for the entire day so people will remember uh, exactly who Fozzie is well I didn't have to be concerned because when I walked out on stage at 11 a.m. there was 35,000 people in the crowd it was crazy there was more people there for this show there was more people there for this show at 11 a.m. than there was for the 12 o'clock show three years ago. And I think that just shows uh, the growth of the band, how much more of a buzz there is now. Obviously, I called the Judas effect, as you guys know. But not only was there that many people there, they were crazy. They were loud. They were nuts. They were responsive to whatever we did. Uh, we had the, the a couple of the great girls from uh, the Inferno. They're like a, a dance troupe that uses fire and they breathe fire and they have like you know, the wheels of, of flames. And so they came and joined us on stage for Lights Go Out, which was huge. That added some ambiance to it. And then just uh, the, the singing along with Eat the Rich and the chorus of Judas. Everybody knew it like it was an Aerosmith song from the 70s. So it was just a great experience. And what a buzz. And obviously, you know, it was great to open it. Uh, my goal is to headline download at some point one of these years. And that was a great step to uh, to helping people realize that we're on the way to do so. Um, and once again, talking about uh, the fact that, that, that so many people got up early. A lot of people from NXT were there because NXT had some shows and download. I saw Ember Moon. I saw um, Pete Dunne. I saw Alistair Black. Uh, Matt Bloom was there. Um, lots of people. If I forgot if I forgot some of you guys, I apologize. But it was great seeing you all that morning, hanging out that early uh, to check out Fozzie, which was very, very, very cool. 
And uh, like I said, just a great experience. Um, didn't get a chance to see Steel Panther live, but they were there. Great guys. And there may or may not be a Steel Panther podcast coming up in the future. Another, another. I did two podcasts yesterday, so there were some great ones. Let me try, trust me on that. I did five hours of press, saw some old acquaintances, saw some people that have been fans of the band from the start. So it was just a great, great moment and a great, great time. And, uh, man, I love Download. It's one of my favorite festivals to play. And thanks to Andy Copping for inviting us back for the fourth time. Hopefully we'll be back again very soon in the future. Higher up on the bill, deservedly so, because we don't want any favors. We want to do uh, everything and get everything because we deserve it. And I think one of the reasons why the band has grown so much, uh, with 5 million views, on YouTube, over 5 million views now in just over 5 weeks uh, let's check out the song this is paving the way to take Fozzie to the next level here's Judas right here on Talk to Jericho You are beautiful on the inside You are innocence personified and I will track you down and sell you out Run away I am cold like December snow I have carved out this soul made of stone And I will drag you down and sell you out Embraced by the darkness I'm losing the light Right 
so there you go judas um just going crazy for us rock radio is picking it up if you live in the united states and there's a rock radio station near you request judas a lot of them are playing them already and that leads us to the uh fozzy european tour uh, later on this year with hardcore superstar huge band out of sweden and this is going to be a very very cool tour it kicks off october 27th in birmingham england october 28th dublin ireland 29th belfast uh, 31st of october chester november 1st manchester november 2nd london november 3rd sheffield november 4th glasgow november 5th newcastle then we head over the pond uh to well, i guess we're already over the pond we head over the uh the the channel amsterdam on the 7th Auschenberg, Germany. Uh, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies. Auschenberg, uh, Germany, on the 8th. Pretown, Switzerland, on the 9th, my birthday. Trezzo, Sulada, Italy, on November 10th. Our first time ever in Italy. Roncad, Italy. Rome, Italy, on the 12th. 14th is Vienna, Austria. 15th, Munich, Germany. 16th, Essen, 17th Hamburg, 18th we finish off the tour in Belgium and uh, Genk. So I apologize if I'm pronouncing some of those cities wrong. I'll get them right as we continue on getting closer. All of those shows, tickets available at FozzyRock.com as well as the VIP packages with the mini private concert experience, uh, meeting the band, including me for sure. Lots of great stuff. All that at FozzyRock.com. We are super, super excited to come back to uh, Europe. More shows in the States to be added. Thank you to everybody who checked us out at Download, and um, uh, that's about all i got to say about that. All right, time to get to my favorite tag team partner of all time, The Big Show. I'm sitting here with uh, my favorite partner of all time. My the, favorite partner, the too. Big Show has returned to talk as Jericho. Yes, and, sir. Uh, we're Thanks wait- for having me back, man. No, it's great, man. It's, uh, we're waiting right now because you have a nice big chair, and i got a little stinky little like folding chair, so they're going to apparently bring us We need to bring you a more... Chair chair of equal size yeah we know even though i'm the bigger guy in our tag team you carried the weight you did all the negotiating <laughs> yeah. the booking and told me how to work like gigantor so right now it's kind of awkward for me to have the big chair and you have the puny kids chair but, and it is a puny one but it did it did worked out good the gigantor thing you've, you've been able to keep that up for the last few years at least yeah it runs hot and cold it runs hot and cold it just depends on you know they'll come to you with emergency up oh, speak oh, of the devil here comes your chair. the chair let's have the real Behind the, the scenes, the unveiling chair. Oh, hey guys, he's bring, they're bringing the chair in right now. So there you go. Because you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Nowhere else. Only this here. Is, this is live, live action. You can bring it and put it over here. Oh, it's actually a big. It's more than that. It's a, uh, it's a love couch. seat. We'll just Why don't you put, put the right couch there? there? Yeah, we'll make, it, we'll make a pit group out of this. Perfect. Big, uh, nice couch. Can I shake your hand? Oh, yeah, shaking hands here you now. Guys. You guys brought us a couch. We Thank you, man. Thank you. Oh, thanks, brother. Appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Thank nice you, guys. fellas. You guys you have a good day. Do you want to sit on the couch and I'll sit in that chair? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to move to like Chuck Woolery. We're such professionals. You, the, you know what? Now it's like a, now it's like an interview stand because now I'm on the couch and you have your interview chair. I yeah. think you might have just cut one, too, because it's a little bit stinky over here. Well, I farted like five minutes ago, bro. <laughs> I'm a giant. I don't do anything small. So we're talking about so you being now a you giant. Get, you get this. You get, get the crap the chair. It's warm. Yeah. It's wow. Warm. It's yeah. a warm chair. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It, it, it's perfect for us to start out this way yeah. with a little bit of chaos, but that's perfect. Nice big couch for you. There Big you chair for me. Yeah. But let's talk about about uh, about being a giant. And first of all, just get right into it. How much less of a giant you are now? Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm not really the big show anymore. I'm the big slim. Yes. I'm like <laughs> How a, much weight have you lost over the uh, last? Close to ninety pounds now. That's unbelievable. Well, it's been 
ups and downs throughout the career. Like, you know, I took that time off and did some boxing in 07 and just ass load of cardio and got down to like 425, I think it was, um, from 537 was my heaviest. So that was a dramatic change there. And then over time, I wasn't doing as much boxing. There were injuries and yada, yada, yada. So I didn't, I wasn't getting the time in, in the gym cardio-wise. Um, and this run has been a better run because I've done all this weight loss with zero cardio. It's all been through diet. You know, I got troubles with the knees and the hips, and I've got some miles on me. I'm like an old farm truck. I take a while to get warmed up. I run all day, <laughs> but as soon as you turn me off, it's over. <laughs> so, so, what, so what made you finally decide? Was it the, the pressure on your knees and stuff? Uh, no, it was uh, just time to make a change. I mean, for so many years in my career, I was the big show. So in the back of my mind, um, whether it was fat or aesthetically – not pleasing or whatever crap people want to sling around. I enjoyed being the big show. I enjoyed being 450 pounds. I enjoyed being the um, the biggest guy around. That was my gimmick. You know what I mean? When I walked out down the ramp and stood in the ring, I made other big guys look small. Mm-hmm. And then now at the end of my career, um, I don't need that anymore. You know, I really don't. I mean, now this is a great time for me to make a change and. And one, uh, personally, to see if I could do it. You know, I've told people before that this whole thing really came about through just a, a general trash-talking sec- sex, uh, session with John Cena. You know? How do you mean? Uh, well, John and I were sitting just like you and I are now, and John and I have been friends for years and had battles, and we always joked years ago, like every nine months, it was time for a Big Show Cena run because, you know, his AA needed equity, and I needed to take it to build equity in his AA. So, um, <laughs> that's probably, the truth, that's right? probably my opinion. But, uh, um, you know, John and I were joking, and, and we were talking about training and dieting and stuff like that. And I was making fun of, like, I used to make fun of all the body guys. I mean, that's great. Eat right, live right, die anyway. You know, yeah. that was my uh, grumpy attitude about stuff. And I said, and I told John, I said, who the hell would want to see a giant with abs? And you know John, who is super intelligent, super smart, and has a way of of looking at things sometimes in a different way, like we all do. Mm-hmm. But John looks at me and he goes, yeah, a giant with abs. Who would want to see that? And just the way he said it was so dickish. That it was Dry, like, Cena. Yeah, it yeah. was almost like, you know, you think you can do it, you big pussy. You know what I mean? That kind of a thing. Without John being that crass or saying that. And I got hot. I mean, I got pissed. Like, I walked away from that going, not laughing, like walking away like, that freaking some bitch thinks I can't do it. Well, I'll show him this is what we're going to do. And that took me, oh, that was about a year and a half ago we had that conversation maybe. And then I started looking at different things because, you know, one thing I figured out already is the first three letters in the word diet is die. And I think that's why most people fail with diets because you jump in right away and go, oh, I'm going to diet to this certain amount and then that's it. How do you mean? Well, you know, people diet for a wedding or they diet. Oh, I see. They're dieting for an occasion or something like that. For an occasion or they they diet for summer or for, you know what I mean? They, and and it's just, oh, I'm just eating this stuff just because I'm going to diet. I'm going to lose this. And sometimes they think, oh, I'm going to diet because I'm going to get in shape. And then after a few weeks, their inner fat kid that we all have, the one that wants the junk food and the bad food, the emotional eater, starts squawking really bad. And then they say, well, it's okay. I've worked hard. I can have this. And before they know it, they're off the wagon. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I really looked at nutrition, talked to some people that knew a lot about nutrition, looked at different meal plans. And 
um, calorie intake and, and what I was trying to do and to eliminate a lot of months of research and, and really being serious about it. I started slowly. I didn't start as a diet. I started as a lifestyle change. Like I started, okay, well, I'm going to stop drinking sodas. Right, which is a big thing. Which is a big first. thing. At first, it's like, oh my God, I didn't realize like I have four or five sodas a day. Like, what the hell's wrong with me? So, okay, then I said, okay, well, I'm going to eliminate caffeine. I'm not going to have 10 cups of coffee a day with cream and Splendid in it or equal or whatever. I'm, I'm going to get rid of the cream and the coffee. I'm going to get rid of dairy. So I cut milk out. I cut cheese out. And I, I started making substitutes. I do cheese, but I do goat cheese. Mm-hmm. I'll do. Um, uh, there's a vegan cheese that I use, you know, for certain things. Like if I'm having a turkey burger patty or a bison patty, I'll use this vegan cheese. So when it melts, it it kind of tastes like something. But I've got to the point now where okay, I like the taste of it. I look forward. Yeah, at first, at first like I was shit, like, yeah. what kind of crap is this? And then, but you have to fight past that because that's your inner fat kid sending you messages telling you that oh no you need real cheese you need calories because it wants to hold on to all that fat and you have to be stronger than that inner fat kid so you know the times you drive by mcdonald's at two o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning your inner fat kid's doing backflips telling you how great you've done you've lost 15 pounds you can have a fish sandwich and i'm like shut up and you keep driving so i've learned to give myself different rewards on the eating and and um i've just changed like you know i drink water now and um at the very most, I'll put some kind of like either the Dasani water flavor or, or Crystal Light or something like that, you know, just to give it a little flavor. Most of the time, water is just better for you and it tastes better. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it took me months to get ready to start doing a a meal plan. So there were just little things that I had to eliminate. And once I eliminated those, I moved on to something else and I moved on to something else. And then slowly, it started working out. So. so you didn't go on a specific diet. You're just kind of winging this on your own. At, at first, I was winging it on my own, and then I went through, you know, a specific program that my trainer Dodd Romero came up with in Miami, and he's like a, you know, he's like a mad scientist with this stuff. Like a lot of guys that have been doing this, especially as long as he has, they, you know, they know all the little intricacies and the little tricks and what happens. And when he was explaining this to me, I thought he was just, you know, full of crap. Honestly, mm-hmm. I was like, no, you're not going to get excited about carbs on carb day bullshit (laughs) trust me when i know that i've gone so many days without carbs and i get carbs on this day and it's going to be brown rice or it's going to be sweet potatoes i'm frothing like a crackhead like ready for the dealer right now like i'm getting carbs today i think with that just brown rice is now like eating a whole chocolate cake or something yeah yeah yeah, that's the whole thing and it's funny like you know you do these things and then of course you always reward yourself you give yourself after so many pounds or so many uh, percentages of body fat or whatever your deal is you got to give yourself a, what I call a psychological break. You got to give yourself a reward meal in the beginning, and it's it's important in the first four or five months to give yourself that a goal. Work hard to achieve that goal. When you achieve that goal, understand that okay, today I'm going to have whatever. Whether it's going to be pizza, whether it's going to be mm-hmm. hot dogs, whether it's going to be you know I'm going to you know French kiss a chocolate cake, whatever it is. You know, I'm going to have this reward. And then it gets to a point where you're so diligent and you're doing well. uh, The reward day isn't what originally it was when you started. I mean, like I remember once I got rolling into this, three, four months into this, I said, okay, my reward day, I'm going to have pancakes and I'm going to do all this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to have chicken fried steak with gravy and I'm going to blow it up. I had a grilled chicken breast and blueberry whole wheat pancakes with sugar-free syrup. Like, I did not even – and I brought my own butter spray from home. So it was like I really didn't blow it up other than the blueberries and the pancakes. That was – 
you know, and it was like, I can, I was like, well, I'm, I'm okay with that because I don't feel bloated. I don't feel like I've completely crapped on all the hard work I've done. So I'm okay with it now. And once you got the momentum rolling too, like you said, once you're losing 10 pounds, then it's 20, then it's 30. Yeah. Now you're starting to like, and you, you see changes and then you, you work with guys like a lot of the guys like you, I've worked with so many, you guys know I'm big show. I mean, you remember when we had the tag titles and I couldn't put them around my waist. Right. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, it's just too big for it. But mm-hmm. now I've dropped, you know. 12 inches off my waist, I think. I've gone from 54s to 42. I'm a 42 waist now. Wow. And I'm still dropping. My 42s are low. So um, it's melting down. So now we don't look at a specific weight. Now I'm looking at, okay, it's not about weight anymore for me. It's going to be about body Body fat. Body fat. So we're going to try to get into the fine-tuning of body fat. So we're going to start adding different cardio to it. And I do a real high rep workout routine anyway. A lot of my workouts are... 70 reps, 50 reps, 35 reps. I think the lowest number of reps I do on anything is like 14. Mm. So everything is high rep because, you know, we're older. So we don't need to, you know, I don't need to do 500 pounds for five reps anymore. You know what I mean? I can do, you know, I can do 225 for 35 reps. You know but see, that's mean? the thing too. But you're the big show, whether you weigh five thirty-seven or whether you weigh three thirty-seven. That's never going to change. Yeah, right. I put equity and time into it. But you know, for me, there are more opportunities open up now. Like I noticed that. Um, the respect I'm getting from the guys I work with, they're freaking out. Like, you know, I mean, you guys know how I used to be and how unhealthy I used to be. And to make that kind of change and stick to it. And then I'm also seeing how I'm having a positive influence on a lot of people in general that have followed me for 20 years. Because you don't really think about being a WWE superstar. You don't really think about the impact that you actually really do have on some people. But when I got people that come up to me that, you know, that have weight issues or overweight teens or people like that that come to me in confidence say, hey, what you did is really amazing. I'm inspired. You know, this gives me hope and confidence that I can do this. And I'm like, yeah, of course you can. Mm. You know, I think, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about being an upright hominid. The potential. Good word. Yeah, not really. I hung around you. Smart, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My vocabulary improves when I hang around you, you smart Canadian. Um, the human potential is, is limitless. So when I think, you know, too many times people let society or even let their own insecurities put themselves in positions where they, they fail. And I think that's one thing I've learned just with this transition is that uh, pretty much anything is possible. And I know it's a crazy lesson to learn at 45 years old. And it's not that my life is that dramatic or bad or crazy because God knows I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, hundreds of bad choices, thousands of bad choices. But, you know, I've that's all in the past and I've left all that there. Now I try to go every day, do what I need to do for today. And we'll handle tomorrow, tomorrow. But today, we're going to worry about today. We're going to eat right today. We're going to, if we're feeling tired and lazy, well, guess what? We're going to get our big ass up and we're going to go to the gym. Because if you drive to the gym and you walk in, you're going to do something. And it's better than laying on your ass and not doing anything. Doing nothing. Did you, have you shown Cena your abs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Cena's seen the abs. Actually, I I put the pressure on myself uh, a while ago and I had a really good, a really good training sequence and meal plans and stuff like that and everything worked out and and I'd done about 250 crunches that night to finish out my workout and the gym lighting was great and I I could feel my abs <laughs> yeah. through my shirt so I looked in the mirror and pulled my shirt up and I went holy crap and that's like the first time I really noticed like I got giant bricks <laughs> yeah. so I, I threw a picture on Instagram and it blew up like a you know and then I was like God, I wish I had done that. Now the pressure's really on, yeah. you know, because you kind of put yourself out there a little bit. And 
For me, it's still coming. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those kind of things that, like, now is like, well, you know, you you made the bed, buddy. You got to line it now. You're a full blown body guy now, so you got to eat right. You know? <laughs> what did what did Vince say? Has he made it? He must have made some comments. Yeah, well, Vince is really funny because you know Vince has dealt with me for so many years. Right. And years ago, I was always a great big talker and a very short walker. <laughs> so I think now the fact is that I don't really talk any shit about dieting or training. I just go do it, and I just think showing it, yeah, just showing it. And I think that's the biggest difference because a lot of people want to talk about training a lot of people want to talk about dieting and remember the guys that were really into training and dieting it was really hard to get information out of them mm-hmm. and i used to be like you know like triple h i've known all, longer than you believe it or not it's one of the longest it was real hard like hunter was nice but he was never forthcoming with shit like mm-hmm. you know it was like oh yeah you can do this and he showed me some stuff for like warming up on my shoulders and i've worked out with him a couple times at gym he's amazing to train with but like just the info and a lot of stuff. Like I'd see him, his watch would go off and I'd see him have a cup full of cashews or a cup full of almonds. He goes, oh yeah, well, I'm, this is going on and I need fats here at this time. And mm. you know what I mean? Like he's very, that dialed he's in. He's very yeah. disciplined when he's on point, you know? And I was just like, well, that's weird. I'll never do that. But now I get it. <laughs> but now I understand why he's doesn't want to sit there and chew the sh- shoot the fat about, you know, training and dieting because this is information that he's worked for, that he's earned, that he's done his research. And to be quite frankly, you know, diet changes like this, what works for one guy might not necessarily work for someone else. We all have different different body types and different caloric intakes. I mean, guy, you remember Batista? Batista mm-hmm. looked amazing. But you'd watch Batista go to his room with eight giant Snicker bars. Right. You know what I mean? He or he'd sit down after yeah. a match and eat an entire cake. Yeah. And you just look at him and go, what? Yeah. How's, okay, well, he's, he's the type of guy that, you know, can eat a lot of sugar and process it fast and keep going because his metabolism is high because of the work that he's put in for so many years. You know what I mean? So for me, you know, uh, I have to train and work hard and get to that level where, you know, if I want to eat a whole cake, I can do it. I don't want to anymore. I don't have the desire to, so I'm good. Was one of the reasons, uh, kind of an additional reason besides the fact you wanted to kind of trim up and look good was this, this rumor for, for the whole last year, Maybe even more than rumor view versus Shaq at WrestleMania. Well, yeah, that whole Shaq thing came out. We did that at the SB red carpet. and Last know, year, right? Last yeah. year. And, you know, there were a lot of other political things going on at the time, so right. we shot that angle. And That's when Brock was in trouble with the yeah, UFC. Yeah, I'm not going to even go there. Whatever. That's there's, in the Yeah, past. there's some stuff going My on. My name's Paul. That's between you all. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, basically that was that angle was shot right there in the red carpet. So for me, it was kind of like, well, this is kind of... And what did you do? Did you challenge him? I just went to Rick Carpenter and said, hey, let's do this at WrestleMania next year. And he was like, okay. Did he know about it? I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. So we went out and did it. I mean, this has been a very awkward situation to be in because the the amount of information that went back and forth was really off. You know what I mean? And um, I think a lot of it was, you know, Shaq's a busy dude. He's got a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on. And I think he his enthusiasm and his attitude is fantastic. I mean, he definitely wanted to do something and he had a lot of crazy ideas for an absolute insane you know setup but it just you know a lot of times in business these things don't work out i mean you know and and you know with whatever he had going on with whatever wwe wanted to do again it's all above my pay grade you mm-hmm. know me i just show up and work with the marks i don't book the marks <laughs> <laughs> was it kind of disappointing for you when you found out it wasn't going to happen it was it was but at the same time um I could understand a lot of fans' points, too, because a lot of fans were, were like, oh, my God, poor Big Show's getting stuck in another celebrity. I mean, let's face it. I've done Aki Bono, Kevin Green, Dennis Rodman, Floyd Mayweather. Those were all great experiences, but we all know the outcome. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all know the outcome. It's like, you know, I mean, yeah, so I don't think a lot of fans were very positive on that that were fans of me personally. I think some fans were like, oh, yeah, that'd be a great spectacle. And sure, I could have had a fantastic match with Shaq and done, uh, made his experience fantastic and, and given him a, a WrestleMania moment. But it just didn't work out. And that's just, I mean, even my angle with Floyd Mayweather didn't start off as a singles. It started off as a tag. Right. I think it was uh, uh, me and Floyd originally against Dave and Ray. Because mm-hmm. originally there was going to be heat between Floyd and Ray. And then he had, and then brought me in. I was Floyd's goon. And I think Ray was going to bring in Dave. Just the, and right. it was going to be a tag. Um, Ray and Dave both got hurt. Oh. I think Dave tore a lat and Ray did something, bicep or knee or something. So they both got hurt. So then it was like, well, you want to do a singles? I'm like, yeah. Let me get this right. I go from splitting a payday four ways to two ways. True, true veterans way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, like, yeah, wait yeah. A I mean, I cut two guys. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so we did that and went running with it. And that was actually one of the one of the better angles I've ever been involved with because I got to do a lot with that. You mm-hmm. know, we got to do a lot of media. We got to talk a lot of trash and. It was really great to be a part of that that WrestleMania, and we did a great buy rate at the time. I think that was the second highest buy rate we'd ever done. Next it was a to, huge success. Next to Trump and Vince, where right. Trump shaved Vince's head, which was absolutely the Battle of the Billionaires was amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me, know. tell me about when when he broke your nose. That was a well. I, you know, I, I've done this. Uh, I've told this story, but like when we were talking this, putting this together in Vegas, you know, I was telling. Uh, I told Floyd, who, by the way, Floyd's fantastic yeah. to work with. Just so smart and savvy. And, and really understands this and business. understands yeah. the business of heel and baby face. And, and he gets it. I mean, you think about him in his boxing when he calls out all the, you know, the Mexican fighters on Cinco de Mayo. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's, he causes controversy and makes people pay to see him fight. We did Larry King once, and he told me, a lot of this stuff is, I pull it from wrestling. Yeah. I, I understand the concept of getting people to hate me. It's because they want to buy tickets to see me get beat up. So no one could ever beat me up. Yeah, it's Muhammad Ali did the same exactly, thing. Exactly, right. Yeah, it's the same, that same psychology, which is basically wrestling psychology one-on-one. That's right. Yeah. You don't necessarily buy a ticket because of the guy you like. You buy a ticket for the guy you hate that you want to see get his ass whipped. Yeah. So um, when we did this, I told Floyd, I said, look, man, if we're going to get off the ground, you're going to have to break my nose. And he looked at me and goes, what? And I said, yeah, look, I mean, don't shove it through the back of my friggin' skull and make me have like a gangster knows the rest of my life and i'd spent a whole year boxing so i've been punched in the face for a year by heavyweights no offense i mean mm-hmm. you know floyd mayweather's 152 pounds i'm not really worried about him punching me in the face right um boy did i get a surprise um <laughs> i was amazed at how fast floyd was and he threw his jabs his straight jabs were in there so fast just bam 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 and then he hit me with a perfect left hook right on the tip of the nose and didn't really break my nose he busted the cartilage in my nose that instantly made it bleed hmm. you know what i mean but just the way he does like damn this guy is so good he can actually break your nose perfectly right, right like i mean it was just whether it was a happenstance or an accident i like to go into the myth that he's that damn good that mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's just like the old punch where mike tyson hit was it sean well i was just gonna say with me too he, he came as close as humanly possible without actually hitting me to where there's no way it was a coincidence or a a, a fluke. Yeah, he like, knew exactly where to swing to just brush 
my chin. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. the precision was we amazing. figure how many, then those guys are on the pro level, and those guys were throwing punches, you know, how many thousands of punches mm-hmm. a day are they throwing? So they, you know, that's why they're the best at what they do. So um, it was great that we got that thing off and running, but I was still hot, and I told them, I said, look, when you break my nose, run. I said, because I'm not clinically sane, and <laughs> if I get my hands on you, I might kill the whole angle before it even starts. When I start slamming you like the abominable snowman with Bugs Bunny, start slapping <laughs> you in the head, and your feet are going out the bottom of my hand, you know, so just run. He goes, okay. So when he broke my nose and I went after him, his whole crew scattered, and they all had the sweatshirts and baggy jeans on, and I ran one of them down because I thought it was him. And then I realized it wasn't him. Then by then, he was gone, and I remember I was human because i had so much adrenaline going which is great for tv but you know as well as i do sometimes you get stiffed it brings the fire out oh yeah so the fire is definitely out and i remember the only guy that had the balls to come anywhere near me was shane (laughs) you know what i mean and shane comes up to me goes are you okay and i went yeah yeah i'm good because we're on camera so Shane's right in front of me. He's got his hand on me. He's looking at me. And he's doing, you know how Shane, he does the eyebrows up thing. Yeah, he's like, yeah. you okay? okay? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And he goes, that was awesome. You know how he does his little thing? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was good. And I just yeah. remember the blood was running down my mouth and the back of my throat. And I was like, yeah, we're off to the races now. Yeah, you knew you were going to make some but money. But we had to go out in the parking lot and bring Floyd back because he was in the car leaving. Oh, really? Yeah, he was terrified. <laughs> he was getting the hell out of town. Screw this. I'm gone. I was like, no, no, man, that was great. And he was blown away that I was um, very excited about what happened and how he broke my nose. Like, you could just tell he was like, wow, this dude is insane. <laughs> and then we got to spend all that time on the road doing media. And, you know, he would talk trash. And I was like, yeah, I float like a battleship and sting like a nuke. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of float like a butterfly and sting yeah. like a bee, you know, we just had so much fun with it. And uh, how did you put that match together? Was there a lot of rehearsal time? There wasn't a lot of rehearsal time because Floyd was busy. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. You know, I, I flew to Vegas once, and we did an in ring rehearsal once in Vegas where we talked about a general plan, and uh, then we had a slight walk through the day before WrestleMania just to go over everything that we talked about. And uh, Hunter was in that help putting that together too which shows you know he's got such a great mind for it was really well booked you could tell well booked put together well didn't didn't put me in a bad light at all he used everything but the kitchen sink to get it done and it made sense Mm -hmm. you know and i really enjoyed how that came across and and his sportsmanship and professionalism was amazing all right there are some seriously talented luchadors in aew and not all of them speak english which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is Jericho. Let's talk briefly about your boxing career. We've never really spoken about that a lot. Well, it's non-existent. But but there, <laughs> but there was there was a time when it was like well, the, the next big heavyweight was kind of an idea. Well, you know, it was thought you about. It. You know, it was some stuff I was doing with a couple of guys, and it was considered. But let's be honest. I mean, you know, it was. Uh, I was 35 years old when I started doing that. You know what I mean? And what it did was, is, yeah, do I have a good punch? Absolutely. Not my shitty working punch I throw on TV <laughs> where I'm scared I'm going to kill the guy I'm working yeah. with. But the, the one where It's I, the size of your hands, dude. The one where I shoot to the moon, and I can throw my hands pretty fast. You know what I mean? But there's a psychology in boxing, and there's an unconscious competence. My old trainer, Artie Artwell, used to call it unconscious competence, which is like what we do in the ring. We're not conscious of what we're doing because it's fluid. We're yeah. doing it because it's what's next. It's instinct. It's instinct. Yeah. Boxers are the same way. By the time I saw an opening, I'm like, oh, I should punch now. Opening was already gone. Mm. You know what I mean? So, And that takes repetition and, and time and time in the ring and time in the ring and opponents and stuff like that. And, and um, it just wasn't... Um, you know, I mean, it, it was fun to get in there and fight and clobber people and get clobbered. I mean, you know, it's definitely, you know, you know, ball-busting manly shit. But uh, at the same time, you're looking at it from a business standpoint. And what it really did was help reinvigorate my love for what I do. Right. Because sometimes you, you step away from something and then you forget, like, oh, I really do. And I'm good at it. <laughs> and I'm good at it. So I'm... Yeah, I'm going to go back to this. I remember so. when, when they had Butterbean come in and he fought the winner of the Brawl for All. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was... Uh, we Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn and yeah. whipped his ass like in 20 seconds. It's just the difference between a pro and a non-pro. And a, yeah, street fighter and an actual, you know, the sweet yeah. science. He was okay. just waiting for, you to, waiting for him to make his move. Waiting for him to screw up and he threw that overhand right that most fighters never see coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? In a stand-up, you know, Queensberry Rules boxing match, yeah, Butterbean has all the advantages. Mm-hmm. In a street fight in the backyard, Bart Gunn would have beat his ass all over the parking <laughs> lot. You know what I mean? Because he was a rough, tugged some bitch. So, you know, that's just the difference in it. I mean, you know, if you look at tough guys now, you got to look at your your your, your UFC heavyweight mm-hmm. guys, like a guy like Brock. Like Jesus God, right, right. You know what I mean? That power, explosiveness, wrestling ability, take you down, strength, strength. You know what I mean? That's you know. So it's kind of a blessing to have Brock back here in our business, too, because he mm-hmm. brings such a, a validity, uh, big main event feel to all the events he's in. I've got to work him a couple of times on some live event shows since he's been back, and I just love being out there in the ring with him because it's got that big fight feel. Because he doesn't talk a lot before you go to the ring, does he? Or? No, hell no. No, we do a shot of whiskey and go. <laughs> you, know, you have to do a shot of whiskey with Brock, so it's not like, no, I'm training. Well, yeah, okay, I'll have a shot of whiskey. <laughs> but, but obviously he's going to have to respect you just because of your size well, and treat you differently than the normal guys. Brock is always – here's the thing about Brock. Brock has never been an egomaniac. Despite how people think he's booked or how his character is on TV, Brock's always been about business. Mm-hmm. And, you know – he doesn't do anything that takes away from what he contributes to the business, but he is all for contributing to the business, if that makes sense. Uh, he's always been fantastic to me. I think the first person that beat him on his first run here was me when Heyman turned on him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Brock understands that for him, working with a bigger guy that can beat the snot out of him and bring it, 
is good for him to overcome when he was a baby face. You know what I mean? And now it's good for him because, you know, yeah, when he's sending me to Suplex City, it's an impressive thing. You know what I mean? But still, he still, he still treats me with a lot, of, uh, a lot of respect and has fun with me out there because he knows I'm, you know, I know the deal. We're mm-hmm. going to go out there and have fun. And I enjoy uh, wrestling with Brock. I, I do tease Brock. I think Brock's got the best backstage game since Hulk Hogan as far as intimidating the boys. You know? Oh, yeah, everyone's intimidated. Because Hogan was so famous back in the day when he came backstage. Everyone, oh, my God, there's Hulk Hogan. You didn't know what to Hogan. do, yeah. You didn't know what to do. It was Hulk Hogan. Brock comes backstage, and you see these guys, like, flatten up against the walls, and they almost piss themselves when Brock's walking down the hall. <laughs> he just looks in their direction. He yeah. looks in their direction, and they, they get pale, and they pee on themselves. And you know Brock's laughing the whole time when he ends it because he's just a good old country yeah, boy. Yeah, total. Just good northern, old country yeah. boy. You know what I mean? Farm Don't get boy. me wrong. You piss him off, he'll punch you in the face with your own hand. Yeah. But, <laughs> but still, I love it when he walks through, and you just see the guy. You can just tell they get all nervous right, and start right. stuttering and shit. It's funny. Let's talk about another, uh, maybe the best big man of all time, WrestleMania just passed, and Taker. Oh, maybe, absolutely. Maybe he had his last match. I know that when you, especially when you first came in here, Taker had a lot of influence on you. Worked with him for years. Boy, did he! Talk to me about that. Well, it was unreal when I first came into WWF. Then WWE. Now um, I was so unprepared for the New York environment because I started in WCW and I was working with a lot of guys that had guaranteed contracts in WCW that weren't fighting over positions that were already established. So I didn't understand the hunger or drive. And you came in at the top, too. I came in at right. the top, so I'm right in the middle of them. So literally, I had no friggin' idea. I thought, hey, yeah, we're all buddies. We're all, you know, we're all hanging out. We're all making money. This is great. <laughs> all right, pals. Mm-hmm. You know, I get up to New York, and buddy, I didn't have my shit together. Stone Cold would eat your ass up. Triple H would eat your ass up. Mick Foley, Rock. All the guys that were on top. I didn't give you shit from yeah. the APA all the way down, even Road Dog for Christ's sake. I remember they sent me to the ring one time to punch Road Dog for, while he was wrestling Rock, and I punched him. He staggered in the ring, then ran like three or four spots with Rock, and then finally got. But basically, he no sold my shit from the floor, and right. I was like, "Wow, then why did I even walk down here and do anything?" But yeah, they didn't warn either one of us. I had the same problems when we came from WCW to here. No, no one told us shit. <laughs> yeah, no, right? Right? We were pretty much on our own. Like, like, yeah, here's the wolves, mean? fellas. They don't like us. Yeah. What are we talking about? We're not friends. You really? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, I was very fortunate that, for whatever reason, probably uh, Taker probably wishes he never would have done it. <laughs> being funny, but Taker pulled me aside and was pretty hard on my ass for, for a long time. What, was, what would he say to you? Just be, little things, uh, bumping in the wrong spots, not being aggressive enough, not enough cardio, um, stupid mistakes in the ring, stupid psychology, um, just hmm. everything A to Z. Like I basically, you know, even though I was a former world champion in WCW, I started at the freaking bottom. Yeah. Which was great because a lot of the a lot of the stuff that makes our business beautiful I missed in WCW because of the way I came in. You know what I mean? And I had to start. Uh, as far uh, as what? Just start earning the guy's respect around me. I didn't take it for granted. Like, oh, yeah, I'm working with Hogan. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know shit. Right. You know, and I got exposed when I came up here that I didn't know anything. And it was the best thing that happened to me because, you know, I went through a lot of guys that, you know, really – were pissed off at the amount of money that I was making. Granted, I was paid on potential, and mm-hmm. my old trainer used to say, potential is a French word for you ain't worth a shit yet. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? But still, you know, you know, I was a good athlete. Yes, I was a freak of nature at the time. There was nobody else around like me. So you want to try to develop that product and get something out of that product. Mm-hmm. You know, was I a little bit hard-headed? Did I have a little bit of trouble understanding? Like, it seemed like to me like everything I did was wrong. 
you know, in essence, yeah, everything I did do was wrong mm-hmm. until finally I settled in and, and got it together and understood because I was there was too many variables to everything that you're doing. Okay, bump for this guy, don't bump for this guy, sell for this guy, don't sell for this guy, eat this guy up, you know, sell like there's no tomorrow for this guy. Like there were so many different variables. Be an athlete, don't jump off the top rope. You know, there were so many different things going on, and um, it, it personally it attacked the hell out of me, and it was very difficult to get over. I mean, you know, it's one of those things you're getting your ass chewed out, and you really don't understand why you're getting your ass chewed out, and the last thing you can do is ask why. Because then it'll expose what kind of an idiot you really are. <laughs> so you just have to nod your head, hope you filter it out, and hope you go out there and figure it out. You know, these new kids don't really have that problem because they're catered to. Mm. They get everything explained to them. It gets broken down. They sit down. They watch videos. And if they mess up, they get patted on the back. It's okay. Well, we need to do this next time. Mm. They can't take an ass chewing. Yeah, That's it's, one thing about the newer kids. They can't take an ass chewing because they fold like aluminum foil. It's funny, though, because th- there's, there's someone I'll tell you afterwards right now that's, that's in that position where everything he does is wrong. Like Vince is on his case, oh, which yeah. you've been there. I, I've yeah, been we've, there. But that's and, a rite of passage. If you're on Vince's radar... That it, means he sees something in that's you. Exa- that's great. I told him the, the exact same thing that you just said. Yeah. I t- because, you know, I remember right when I came out, I got chewed up my second or third month in, and I called Benoit because I was so depressed, and he told Brett about it, and Brett called me. Brett Hart called me and said, same thing happened to him when he was on his rise. He said, Vince likes to break you down and, and build you back up in his image. In his image that you'll be yeah. better than you ever were. Which right. Is, and in a sad, effed up way. Yeah. It works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I know that, you know, I would, because of the ass chewings and stuff that I got from him and from Taker, I automatically um, go the right direction with those two. I think about what those two are doing and what Vince is really doing here, what he's not saying, but what does he really want? Mm-hmm. What's the big There's picture? a lot of guessing, yeah. There's a lot of guessing, but it's also you have to have the experience and been on the other end of a of events asked you and to understand what he's really trying to get out of you. And sometimes he won't hand it to you. You'll get it after the fact. And mm-hmm. he's pissed off at you because you're not smart enough to figure out yeah, what he Why wanted. didn't you guess it yourself? Yeah. Why didn't you guess yeah. it yourself? I have faith in you, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of a thing. So, yeah, it makes you a better talent. It makes you a better performer. I think it makes you a more confident, solid individual once you get forged in fire. That's that right. Sense. Yeah, it does you, make sense. Yeah, You become a stronger person in your character and your convictions on anything, too, mm-hmm. because you know now what you're about and what you believe in and what you're doing, and you'll stand right there and, no, I'm sorry. Right. You know what I mean? Because you just know, right? Yeah, because you know. And that's the thing. That's one of the things when he finds people and puts on his radar, he makes them find that conviction to believe in themselves so that, you know, they're not transparent or wishy-washy when they're doing other things mm-hmm. because, you know. And it's funny, too, because, like, now I try to tell these younger guys now, like, you know, everybody here gets along. They all go to Panera Bread and Chipotle or whatever the hell they <laughs> eat now. You know what I mean? Yeah. They all go to their CrossFit gyms, and, you know, they got their 17.1 workouts, and, you know, they're all buddies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Back in the day, oh. we all hated each other. <laughs> but if you think about it, Vince would prefer an environment where we're all. I think all- he liked that. He liked that environment because when you don't like the guy next to you, you're not going to go out there and take it easy. Right. You're going to go out there and work hard because you want to outdo this yes. guy. So Vince is paying you a lot of money to be at your best and be your most competitive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then if you're not at your most competitive competitive because you're comfortable, you think, oh, I'll work here forever. I've made it. I've arrived. That's when he shakes up the barrel a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. 
when he puts you on his radar, he's shaking up the barrel. He's letting you know, don't get comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Your last name's not McMahon, and your job's not guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, that's here. right. You're not going to be here as long as you think you, you are you, if you yeah, don't change You might things. be fired five minutes from now. <laughs> yeah. So. But I, I, I do definitely believe, and maybe it's changed. Maybe Vince is, is a little older now, so he's changed. But yeah. when we got here, I, I I don't know for a fact, but they would pit us against each other. Of course they you would. Know, he, they would stir he, yeah. up situations, and they would put you in situations where you weren't given full info to find out who was going to dominate and who was going to come out ahead on it. You know what I mean? That happened time. to you? Oh, it happened to me all the time. Yeah. And I would always, in the beginning, I would always um, cave in to the other guy. I would always cave in to what he wanted to do. I'd always cave in. You know what I mean? Which you never did. Mm-hmm. You fought tooth and nail on everything. You still do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now it's different because I know who I am. I'm what about. I know what I'm supposed to do. So I, I don't cave in. I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't get hit with the same bullshit that I used to get tried to talk into back in the day. Because, you know, there's a lot of car salesmen and a lot of workers here. So, <laughs> you know, they'll talk to you. Oh, yeah, it's great if I body slam you. It'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, you think so? Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, you can close on me over the top to the floor. Sure, that, that sounds good. So yeah. there's certain things now that you just know absolutely not. That absolutely not. Do, yeah. Like you're, you know, and it's funny. It's because I've got ten years experience now. Most people don't even suggest it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what was it one time we were working somebody who should remain nameless because I don't want to bury him because I'm not into burying guys. But he got a little bit of push here for a while, and he was an absolute idiot. But he was a very small guy, and he was talking. He said, "Yeah, and I'll bump show off the apron." I'm looking. I'm like, "What?" Because he's a little bitty fella. I said, you go ahead and try that shit and see how it works out. <laughs> and I thought he'd have enough sense to not do it. He came over and tried it, and I just flattened his ass and grabbed him by the head and bent him over the top rope from staying on the outside of the ring and just waffle ironed him right in the chest <laughs> and sucked the air right out of him. And I said, I told you that idea was stupid. What were you thinking? <laughs> you know? And then he kind of slinked back to his corner and tagged out just trying to figure out, like, he didn't do what I told him. No, because your idea is wrong, you dumbass. You're right. I told you. Yeah, I learned that with Stone Cold working with him in London, and I, I, I talked about it on his show, but like with Steve, I worked Steve for two weeks in Europe, and, and uh, he beat the shit out of me every night and hit me with a stunner and beat me. And I'm like, wow, he's not giving me anything. And Johnny Ace and Fit were on me. I remember I'd work out with Fit in the afternoons, and Fit would just kick the hell out of me laughing because that's just the way Fit was. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're a giant. What are you letting me kick you for? Yeah. Because uh, I'm supposed to sell? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then I was supposed to, Vince wanted Steve to put me over in London in a dark match. And I remember Steve spitting his dip cup and goes, God damn, Vince. These people paid a lot of money. She's stone cold, hit a few stunners, drink a few beers, not do a job to the big show <laughs> and I'm standing right there and you know you feel like an insignificant piece of trash when a guy just basically says you're not good enough to put over in a fake business right right you know I'm like okay so then they talked and then Vince comes back and goes well Steve does make a valid point but I want you to give him a good fight so I'm now like yeah I'm sure he does he sells a shitload of merch I'm sure you're gonna side with him mm-hmm. obviously so we got in the match and I pulled his tights and I didn't know he was sensitive about his tights but I throw him back in the ring I guess I pulled him up his ass and he got hot about it because you know some of those old-timers are always sensitive about something. Sure, you can't show Stone Cold's ass to the crowd. Yeah, because yeah. it's a big, white, fat ass. I'm a baby <laughs> face and da, 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 whatever. So and he punched me in the chin, and I lost it. I grabbed him by the face and picked him up by the face and ran him across the ring and bent him over the turnbuckle. I went, hey, you son of a bitch. Like that, like I got mad. And he goes, there you go, kid. Let it fire up. And it clicked. Uh-huh. And everything he did, I just no-sold and beat the piss out of him. Mm-hmm. I gave him nothing, absolutely nothing. And he tried. Because you know Steve is that very erratic yes. barroom brawler. Yes, all back, over the place. All over the place, which is exciting to watch. 
you know, it must take an, an amazing amount of cardio to work like Steve did, you know, and yeah. it, obviously because he had one speed, 100 miles an hour. That's true. And uh, then he hit me with a stunner. I went, well, okay, that's his finish. I'm a businessman. I'm not an asshole. Then he told me to kick out. Mm. And he hit me with seven stunners that night. <laughs> that was his comeback. That was the only offense he got after I shut him down was seven stunners. That's great. But every one was louder and louder, and it taught me something. I was like, well, yeah, I'm a giant. I don't need a particular invite to fight back or to mm. cut someone off. Or not sell. Or not sell. Yeah. You know, if you hit me with something weak, I don't have to sell it. Right. I'll just knock the piss out of your back because that transcends in people's minds. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get too spot happy in the back and, oh, I should bump here and should do this and should do that. But it doesn't work out there. And it taught me to be more confident in myself. I said, if I can treat Stone Cold like this, I can treat anybody like this. Right, right, right. And then for me, it all changed. I started working with Brock and doing a bunch of stuff with him, and it all changed. Did you like working with Taker? I loved working with Taker, but I used to have anxiety working with Taker. Because Taker was like my mentor. And um, for me, it was very hard to to go out there and not screw up. Mm. And I would always stress out about screwing out with Taker a lot. When I came back from the boxing, I got to run with Taker a little bit in some of the Europe tours and house shows. And I remember we had a match in France in the Coliseum. And uh, we went probably 35, 40 minutes that night. Mike Kyoto didn't know the finish. He was having a nervous breakdown because we just didn't know. We were just going to go out there and work. And he Taker was so over. And the ambiance was amazing with the old Coliseum. Yeah, in France, yeah. The crowd was just ridiculous they chant undertaker and it was like waves from the ocean hitting you and i was on fire with everything and i remember that was the night you know we toasted a beer that night he said good job kid yeah but it was like he didn't have anything bad to say yeah there wasn't a you know i was like wow i i finally made it (laughs) holy shit i made it you know (laughs) and then after that you know it was we had so much fun working together Mm. you know because he just he's on that next level when it went from him being the master and I was the apprentice to us being uh, peers. Peers, yeah. it totally changed for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I, I had earned his respect, and then we had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize how fun he was to work for the longest time. I was just, you know, trying to keep from shitting myself out there the it's whole intimidating time. Intimidating guy. Well, no, it's just because you know he cared. You know he's trying to help you, and you've just screwed up so much. You just <laughs> you put so much pressure on yourself. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, I think I got in the ring one time, stepped over the top rope, and got my foot hung and tripped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just you know, and he's standing in the ring, you know, like looking at me like. Good Lord. You friggin' buffoon. I'm definitely not selling for you tonight, you know? And I just want to crawl under the ring and die because I'm just so freaking embarrassed. You f***ed up. Yeah, I know I did. Thank you very much. I am very well aware. Thank you, fans. Didn't Thank you get you. that in Vince's plane once? You kind of fell down the No, that was going to WrestleMania with Mayweather. We get off the plane that night, and and um, I thank God I had on that leather jersey with a big Stingray dragon on the back of it. You know, it's like a motorcycle jacket or it's it's like a baseball jersey Mm. but it's leather for riding but i had this big stingray dragon on the back of it and shit and this guy made me as cool as hell but i slipped on the wet guardrail and the steps on vince's plane because of the condensation and both feet went straight out and i broke the railing and his door on his plane of the steps or i i went three feet straight up and smacked on it if i hadn't had that jacket on i'd have broke a rib like i i think i went into that match with mayweather with like like a bruised cartilage in my ribs for crying out loud but didn't say anything because it was mania so i just kept my mouth shut but i'm sure vince was laughing at that uh i heard him laugh on the plane and then when i didn't move it got real serious (laughs) and the only one that actually gave a shit to find out if i was okay was edge 
Hmm. Edge comes over and goes, oh, buddy, are you okay? <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah, That's you know him? Canadian. But he had so much concern yeah. in his voice. I went, yeah, I'm fine. He goes, wow, what a bump. And then he popped. <laughs> but everybody else, Dunn and all the rest of the, you know. Hunter, Vince. Yeah, all, all the, the usual suspects <laughs> on Vince's plane were all dying laughing. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Talk is Jericho. Let's talk about a little bit. You mentioned about the confidence of knowing what to do and, and all that sort of thing, and allowing guys to do only certain things. I'm watching the match last night. We're in Champaign, Illinois. Right. There's probably three thousand people there, sure. so they're a good crowd. You're working with Jinder Mahal. Right. He's got a great look. He's he's, he's, a, he's, he's working he's his ass off to be doing ripped. Fantastic. You guys go out there, and, and I've known you for a long time. And sometimes you go out there, and you'll have a three four minute match and tear the house down because people love you. Last night, you guys were in there for about fifteen minutes. Yeah. And was that something that you had planned beforehand? Were you just in the right mood? Um, a lot of it has to do with um, the match worked out that I got to work with Jinder, but I really have a lot of respect for what Jinder's done. One, he's a good dude backstage. He's, he's not an asshole. He's not a prick. He's not let success go to his head, despite his character on TV. Right. He's a hardworking dude, and he talked smack on Talking Smack a while ago, and he was really fired up and showed a lot of passion and a lot of just – what Jinder Mahal on the inside's made out of. Mm -hmm. And you know us as old guys, we don't really have to do anything we don't want to do. Right. And with him, I wanted to prove a point to a lot of the younger guys in the back too that you can have a match that's not a spot-oriented match. Tell a story, have some psychology. This is a cold match. There was no heat between Jinder and I. Other than I'm an old, respected, veteran, baby face, they're just happy he's not dead, and they're just happy I'm alive and I'm out there. (laughs) You know, and Jinder Mahal, this up-and-coming heel who's got a fantastic different look and who has really made a lot of changes in his work and his body. I mean... Jinder's work is really mm-hmm. good. Um, he's tall too. He's got to be he's like six tall. Five, six, he's six, got a seven. really. He's like a like a like a striking viper or praying mantis or something. But he's mm-hmm. also he's physically he, he he looks impressive. You know what I mean? I mean he looks like he could whip somebody's ass. Right. You know what I mean? He doesn't look like you know somebody's you know gardener that got out and got in the wrong place or something like paperboy. Yeah, like <laughs> some of the stuff around here. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I just worked with him last night, and we told the story of him trying different things and finding a body part and working that body part. A lot of these guys get in a hold, and as soon as they come, they get right up out of the hold. Well, it's okay to make them earn that. It's okay to let it go down and work in the hold. It's not a hold. You lay there and rest. You don't Mm -hmm. take a nap. You don't send tweets. You don't have conversations in a hold. (laughs) You work in a hold. That's what a hold is for. A hold is the heel is grinding punishment. He's applying pressure. He's wearing down the opponent. Your job as a babyface or the one selling is to try to get out of it, try to sell. You're in pain. You need to relate that story to the fans. So we did that last night and told that little story. And then we topped it off with a running high knee to the face, recoil off the ropes, and I let him give me a body slam. That was, um, I was like, that, what? We were all popped huge. Like, what? Well, that was, well, let's face it. It's 370-pound big show. It's not 470-pound big show. But still, it's but the this, concept of the big show. The concept of it was is that we told the story where he worked and worked and worked. And, we, and there was, you know, his finish is that Cobra cuts, clutch mm-hmm. slam. 
obviously you can't do that to me because physically I'm just too big. Right. So how do we get it to the highest we can for a false finish? So boom, he did that, did the body slam, and he did great. You know what I mean? It was great for him because I look at what they're doing with him and they're trying to do something with him. Now he's moving to SmackDown. So my job as an older guy, uh, an older veteran, is to see somebody that has the right attitude, that is doing the right things, that's getting a new opportunity. And WWE knows me. Vince knows me. The fans know me. I'm not going to go out and just let anybody do some shit like that. So in one way, I'm kind of giving gender a, mm-hmm. a, a thank you for me and a respect for me for the hard work that he's putting in, and I see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't have booking control, and you know I don't do payoffs and all that BS, but I can let him know that in my mind as a locker room veteran, I respect the hard work he's doing, and I see something in him too. Do you think that Vince will hear about the fact that you – I surely hope so. Mm-hmm. I surely hope so, and I hope Vince asks me about it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Well, he says, what was that about? And I'll tell him too. I said, look, this kid's working hard. He's got a great look. I like his attitude. He's a go-getter. And I said, and his in-ring work is – great mm-hmm. i mean oh yeah he zipped some stuff in there it looks good it's not stiff it's snug but it's not stiff and i don't mind snug i prefer snug over you know you can't bust a grape right yeah you yeah, know yeah. what i mean sure of course uh, especially you with know. you because you're so big and yeah i need i prefer snug plus snug fires me up and i tighten my workout <laughs> when i'm out there working with paper mache it's very i, I look even worse yeah. you know what i mean like i prefer like some of my greatest fights have been with seamus because Seamus is like wrestling an anvil. Oof, yeah. You know what I mean? When Seamus and I were competing back in the day, we were beating the bloody hell out of each other. But it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. It's not going to not gonna break your nose or no, knock your teeth out. No, it's not going to yeah. kill me. It's not going to hurt me. Right. So I get punched in the stomach hard or I get whacked across the back hard. You know, big mm-hmm. deal. It ain't ballet. Let's talk about another big guy that you worked with, especially over the last European tour with Strowman. You guys were having great matches. Body slam match with him. Yeah. And I think you really helped him out because he has come along so well in the last Strowman's doing really six good. So. I mean, you know, he's he comes from a powerlifting background, so he's he's got explosive DNA as far as he's trained hard. He knows uh, he knows how to be athletic and use his body. He's a hell of mm-hmm. an athlete. Now, for us, we have to teach him presence and psychology. And for me, with him, it was just getting him to slow down because sometimes when you're as big and as athletic as he is, he wants to be in a rush. Don't mistake intensity for being in a hurry. Some of these guys think if they're intense, it's 100 things. Nah, 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 nah. It's like a machine gun. Okay, if you're a 205 guy, that's impressive. A 205 guy, 100 miles an hour, is a sight to behold. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Aaron Neville, when he's firing up, showing his intensity, or Neville. <laughs> Neville, yeah. I can't remember what his first name is. Aaron was. Neville's a singer, right? <laughs> Adrian Neville. Adrian Neville, that's it, right? Adrian Neville. I always screw that up. Anyway. I couldn't even remember the Adrian. He's just yeah. Neville now. Yeah, yeah, Neville. There you go. Yeah. I can't screw that up. Yeah. Good. But Neville is great as a heel. He's vicious mm-hmm. and he takes his time and his intensity is there. And you know those English guys that come from the UK always have that real great way of translating that they enjoy kicking the shit out of you with with viciousness you know what i mean because they've worked in carnivals they've worked in small territories they have that that in their gut that they've had to fight before it's come across so angry it comes across so angry and just despicable and i and i love neville as a heel he's an amazing Mm -hmm. 205 guy i mean all those guys are uh, i'm becoming huge fans of swan and you know, TJ's doing great with his gamer character, which at first threw me a little off, but he does some pretty amazing stuff. And, you know, Austin Aries and all those guys that are coming along. That, that Actually, the 205 guys I really enjoy watching mm. personally. I really like those guys. But for Braun, 
uh, with him is just getting him to understand how big he is and how explosive he is. Which you know, is something that, that you went through yourself. Which is something that I went through too because it's not really a model for us. We can't work like Andre and we can't work like Taker. Hmm. So, But Braun definitely is, is um, as good an athlete as I was when I started, if not better. Hmm. You know what I mean? He's, he's a hell of an athlete. I think I was a hell of an athlete for the time, but uh, I think Braun has really gotten uh, – gotten his stuff together he's got a chance to to get in the ring and, and come along slowly and work into it where well, i basically my first match was hogan right so i was in the fire already main event yeah <laughs> it took me a long time to catch up you know braun got you know got some runs in in nxt then he got some runs working with the wyatts and i got to do a lot of doing squash matches yeah and i got to do a lot of live events on the road with kane and i with braun in the ring so kane and i got to work you know glenn's absolutely one of the best ever yes. too so we got to help him a lot with, with timing and, and personal one-on-one instruction that uh, a lot of big guys don't get. Mm-hmm. So for him, he's in a great place now. I love what they're doing with him. I enjoyed the match I had with him on Raw. Um, I think that was a little teaser. I think hopefully down the road before I um, uh, go out, I get to work on them again and do some mm-hmm. more fun stuff. You're talking about that a few times being like the old guy, quote unquote, and stuff. And I, I get a sense that you enjoy still being around in the locker room and kind of yeah. telling your stories. And I love the live events. <laughs> I love the Friday, Saturday, Sunday live event shows. I hate TVs. Hmm. TVs, I just want to you know bash myself in the Why head with a hammer because they're just long, useless, time wasting bullshit days where you sit around all day for some friggin' idea that absolutely sucks <laughs> you know debating it for hours debating it for hours <laughs> and seventeen thousand inputs and you know yeah one or two guys laced up a pair of wrestling boots in our life and know what they're talking about and the other ones have never laced up a pair and really don't know shit but for some <laughs> reason they're telling you what to do so you know and you're just sitting there walking around baffled like we all have that look at tv we walk around baffled going well why are we doing this yeah like, you know, I, I like the live events. It's not as crazy. There's not as much BS backstage. It's just, uh, you know, just me and the guys, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I like that part. That's the part. And I like getting out there and working. Like, I've done a lot of stuff where I just go down, I knock somebody out, and I leave. I hate that. Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm old and beat up. They're trying to help me out and extend me. Um, but I like getting in the ring. Like, last night, I was very happy last night. I was riding with Luke Gallows because I ride with Luke and Carl Anderson. And uh, I was riding with Luke last night, and uh, I says, man, that's one of the most fun I've had in a while because I actually got to get in there and tell a story and work. And that's the thing at heart. Um, whether you like my character or not, and most of the shit I've done on TV and pay-per-views, I didn't get to pick to do anyway. So don't be mad at me. Be mad at the people that book <laughs> this shit. But uh, um, getting in the ring and actually working like I love, I love working. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But. You know, the the stuff that's going on now, there's a lot of change going on. There's a lot of new talent for a lot of new opportunities. And I'm okay with that. They should get the TV time. They should get the pay-per-view time. I'm totally fine with that. Just don't make me come to Mondays and I don't have to do anything. That <laughs> shit pisses me off. You know what I mean? If yeah. I'm coming, use me. If yeah. I'm not, send me home. I think one of the things with you is, is you've been around so long that people – Forget how good you are. Oh, God. You know what Chris. I mean? No, seriously, dude. Honestly. Oh, no, no, no. Because you mentioned Kane and yourself and Taker. I think it's the three, the three biggest. 
three I best would, big men. I would of agree all time. that Kane and Taker, without a doubt, the two best big men ever. I, I wouldn't put. Myself. Well, I can say that because it's me saying it. I'm, I, I'm saying that you are. Well, I, th- uh, I think I think people. Are we gonna, are you, am I going to end up in the lion tamer if I disagree with you here? <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to butter your popcorn so that I can put you in the lion tamer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, good. That's I you doing, yeah, hey, buddy. You're putting me over. You're so then. good. Now, I got an idea for a finish for you. Yeah, just no, tap but, out for me real quick, kid. But I, but I think people forget that though. You know, there was a phase a couple like last year, a couple years ago. They were chanting, "Please retire." At you and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think it's because you you're, you've been here for so long. Well, I think a lot of that please retire stuff too is the fans just really sick of how they were using me on TV. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it's it's tough. You can't quantify it, but you know our fans are pretty smart and pretty intelligent about what's going on. Sure, they're entertained. But a lot of times they get stuff in their stomach where it's not that they don't like the person. They just don't like what's being done. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Why are you doing this? This is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And let's be face it, too. When they were chanting, please retire, I was a heel. Mm. So I'm not one of these heels that likes to get cheered and loved. When I'm a heel, yeah, I want Let's you to hate it. me. Yeah. I want you to tell me to retire. Yeah. Because it makes my job easier. I go for heat. I don't go to be popular. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that was the difference then too. But, you know, now, you know, they give me that break off TV for a while. Then they'll reintroduce me. And you know me. I've always been a good hand. Like mm. if you need me to work John Cena on Monday as a heel, cool. Tuesday, we need you to go across country and wrestle, you know, this guy and be a baby face. Okay, whatever yeah, yeah. you need. I got it. But you're valuable because of that, you know? I, I think so. I think so. I think I stick out in a crowd. And I well, think that's, that's the why. thing, yeah. yeah. I, I, I have a feeling that uh, Vince is not going to let you go without a fight. You know what I mean? Well, I don't, I don't want to go without a fight mm-hmm. by any means. But I think they're, you know, all good things come to an end. I mean, you know, let, let's face it. I mean, you know, the, the five-day-a-week grind that I've been doing for 23 years – you know, it's enjoyable, but at the same time, I got some personal things that I want to do and other things that I want to pursue. And I know, uh, hopefully, when we get to this point, sometime this you know year before the year's out, Vince and I will sit down and talk, and we'll come to something where we're both extremely happy. I got nothing but good things to say about this place, and I'm thankful for even the hard times, and especially I'm thankful for the great times that I've had here. I mean, you know, I've had a fantastic, lucky career. I got zero to bitch about. Mm -hmm. You know, for a long time, I got paid a lot more money than I was worth. Um, (laughs) I tried to earn that money in my latter years. Um, I got to work with some of the greatest people and stars this business has ever seen in the past 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, because I was in the ring with Hogan and Savage and Flair and Arn and yeah. Luger and Sting and Rude and Henning and Benoit and Eddie and Dean, Perry Saturn. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all the guys that have come, Billy Gunn, Road Dog, you know, Godfather. I mean, just anybody and everybody. everybody yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm thankful for all that. You know, I really am. Like, you know, if you had to sit down and write out a dream experience you know, I can't do any better than what I've done you know what just, I mean? just a couple last questions you mentioned Savage what was that, what was it like working with Randy was he, he was intense man yeah he was so intense that dude was wound tighter than a, you know <laughs> a, an eight day clock you know I remember God bless him Ron Reese who was the Yeti one of the <laughs> nicest guys in the world what Santa Barbara California is where he's, he's from total laid back seven foot three taller hey, than me talk like this hey dude oh, hey man what's up buddy <laughs> hey dude you know yeah. just a real nice guy uh, when he was the Yeti in WCW, and I learned right away with Randy, if you weren't wrestling Randy, don't talk to him. 
Because hmm. I went to the gym with Randy. I hung out on the beach with Randy. But if Randy was wrestling somebody else, off, brother, I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I mean, he's, I'm working on my match, You brother. mean at the show? At the show, him, right? Randy was all about business and intense. And, yeah. You know, he was just wound so tight. So I just ignored Randy at TV. I talked to him after. He was fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But at TV, if I wasn't his opponent, I'd just pretend he didn't <laughs> exist. You know? And I remember Ron Reese comes up to him and goes, Hey, Randy, do I am a mummy? Do I go out with my arms out straight or my arms down at my side? And Randy looks at him and goes, Brother, do whatever you think is right and f*** off. <laughs> <laughs> Ron comes walking right over to me and goes, Wow, he's kind of an asshole, huh? I'm like, dude, it's Randy. What the f*** are you doing bothering him on a pay-per-view? What's wrong with you? Like, I don't know. I just you know, I want to know what to do. Like, I think he told you. Do whatever you think is right. And off. <laughs> off. When you worked with him, would he would he put together everything and tell you what yeah, to do? Yeah, it was really call- funny. Like you know, when I, when I first wrestled Randy, um, he invited me over to his house when we knew we were going to be working together on Nitro, and he invited me over to his house. And uh, completely different. When I worked with Hogan, I went to the Hogan's Beach House in Florida. We trained at the gym for a few weeks. I thought we were going to work out and do the match. I'd never had a match before. <laughs> No, we didn't go to a ring. We went to World Gym. We trained triceps. We went to Three Coin Diner. We ate chicken, 12 egg whites and four chicken breasts every morning and oatmeal. And we went to the beach. And, you know, we got sun on the beach. We had beers on the beach. And at 2.45, he picked up the kids. And that was it. We started at 6 in the morning and went to 2.45. We ate. We trained. We went to the beach and had beers. And I'm like... I remember one time on the beach in Clearwater, he goes, come here, brother, lock up with me. And he locked up with me, and he moved me around on the beach. He goes, all right, brother, just listen to me. And that was it. Wow, yeah, yeah. That was literally it. And when I look back now, after 23, 24 years in the business, and think about how big I was, how strong I was, how green I how was. How green you were, yeah. Hogan was insane to put <laughs> that kind of pressure on me. But he had faith and he was so cool in the ring I remember at one point in the match I had him in the corner and I didn't even have any corner offense I didn't have a chop I didn't have knees like Kevin I didn't have back elbows I didn't have anything so he's in the corner and I look at him and I got that deer in the headlight look which you know to me I'm thinking it's like forever mm-hmm. but Hogan picked up on it right away and he grabs my wrist with both hands and starts fighting with it and this is no brother don't Choke me. And then, oh. he, then he put my hand on his throat. I was like, yeah, I can choke him. I can do this. <laughs> so then I choked him in the corner until we get out of it, and I headbutted. <laughs> but he was just so calm. He was great to work with. So calm and so relaxed. And just. And how many years did he work with big guys and, and, yeah. and some guys that couldn't work? Right. You know what I mean? And he A to Z all over the world, even when he was running in Japan years before, you know. You know, working with Andre. So, I mean, he knew exactly what to do with me, how to build me, mm-hmm. what pace to run, that main event pace, which you know there's a big difference between your mid-card pace and your main event pace. Yes. There's, a, there's a different timing. Yep. You know what I mean? There's a, right. And I never understood that when I first started. I thought every match, da, 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 da. But as you get older, you realize, okay, there's a different timing. There's a different way mm-hmm. to do things. That's why this match is more spectacular because the timing's different. Right. Yep. The showcase, the layout, the psychology, it's all different. So the fact that Hogan did that, and Randy was different because I went from working with Hogan, and my second run was with Randy. So I go to Randy, and we go to his house, and he hands me a yellow legal pad and a pencil. He's got a yellow legal pad and a pencil, and we're writing out the match. Wow. And I'm like, oh, God. Okay. You know, it was just... It was the exact just opposite. Completely not different. And yeah. then that's why Randy was so intense, because Randy wanted to know what he was doing. He wanted to know what you were doing. He wanted to know where you were standing, what you were going to do here. He didn't want surprises. Mm. And that was Randy's thing. That was he, but he understood the business, understood his character, understood right away, no, we should do this, no, you should do that. So he was leading, 
but he wanted it blueprinted out, obviously, because, you know, I was green as grass. He wasn't trusting my ass to go out there and think on my own. He gave me a blueprint, and you do this and only this, mm-hmm. and you do that and you do only that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that yeah, was like, yeah. you know, but I get it. Everybody's yeah, different. That was his thing. Okay, so last question. You've done, you've done a lot of great stuff here. What's the worst angle you ever had? The worst angle. Is, is there one that sticks out in your head or something you just thought was awful? Oh, God, there's been a lot of stuff I've done that was just absolutely <laughs> horrendous. But I think for me personally, the worst thing I've ever done is when Vince made me do the Baby New Year thing. Because it was just so freaking awkward. What did he have you do? He had me in a freaking diaper with a New Year hat and wanted me dancing. And all I could think of, it was like some billionaire masturbating video where he's got yeah. some fat guy and you know you you can imagine like Vince in a dark room looking at on a big screen going yeah now shit in the diaper you fat bastard shit in the diaper that's it it was just so uncomfortable all I could feel like is like I, I sold my soul I have to do this like Howie the cameraman and Brian the lighting guys uh, Kapoor was producing oh, it my and everybody's just going I, I know big show this is, this is just you know and, you know it's like, I want him to dance damn it let him dance I'm like do you want me to shit in a diaper too like what like, did Vince pitch this to you oh Vince made me do it absolutely because you know me you know remember when Vince sucked me in the purple when I was tagging with you he, he sucked you in the purple sucked me in the purple yeah and he goes you know well you're gonna be fat like some kind of cartoon dinosaur you should wear purple like Okay, so I'm fat now. Thanks, buddy. You know what I mean? So I got fat. So he says, well, you're a fat baby New Year. Maybe you should lose some weight. You know? So you, Oh, my gosh. But that's the kind of relationship I've had yeah. with him. Like, you know, and, oh, he's getting fat. I need to motivate him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me embarrass him. Yeah, stick him you know what I mean? Speedo diaper. The diaper, the diaper worked. <laughs> <laughs> the purple gear wasn't so bad. I made it. I worked for a while. I got out of it. But the diaper the diaper was like, okay, yeah, I need to make a change. And here you are now, a giant with abs. And now here I am now, a giant with abs. Yes, so that insane, crazy... Uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon actually does no more than I do. He's he does, actually a smart yeah. man. <laughs> no Believe way. it or not, he's a he brilliant individual. That's right. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, that, that literally is the most awkward thing I've done. None of this stuff with boss man or diving on the cast. Oh, that was or, a good one, yeah. Or, you know, none of that stuff has ever been. I, we did one thing where I was making out with Lita. There was one thing that Lita and I always talk about it. Like, Lita was trying to manipulate me backstage. You know how hot Lita is. I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, Lita's still to this day is so beautiful. Like, yeah. the girl hasn't aged. Right. She's so beautiful. And I remember she's on my lap, and we're doing this thing. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm making out with Lita. And in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. But, wow, I'm making out with Lita. You know, <laughs> and I'm trying to make sure I don't put my hands anywhere appropriately. <laughs> but in the back of your mind, you really want to put your hands somewhere inappropriately. <laughs> So then, and Lita's doing, and we did this great professional thing, and I was so proud of myself. I was like, yeah, I've grown up. I was very professional because that was really intense for me because, you know, Lita was really hot. Then Vince comes in and says, well, we need, and Bruce Pritchard was like, well, we need to close. Vince goes, well, pimps up, hose down. And Lita and I looked at each other like, what, what the f- was that? Like, it just was. That was the line out he wanted. So I have this woman who is so freaking hot, which there's, in a real world, it would be, I would never put myself in that position because I could never say no. But 
I'm going to look at her and say, pimps up, hose down. And I'm like, well, okay, he missed the boat on that one. That was just, that is just totally not the thing to say to Lita. I'm, I'm sorry. That's something you say to, you know, anybody but Lita. Right. You know what I mean? I just remember going, you know, it's one of those things where you get told that in the back of your mind, you hear, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> so that's the moral of this Jericho's podcast. Pimps go. up. Hose down. down. <laughs> Always a great time talking to Big Show, man. He's uh, he's my big little brother. He's so knowledgeable about the business. Great guy to be around. He gives back. I love hearing all of his stories. So thanks to my fave tag team partner of all time. And you know we'll have him back on uh, for, at, at some point for sure. But before we close up, speaking of coming back on, let's see what crazy product the Team Tiger Awesome crew have cooked up to sell you this week. Hey, dudes. Are you tired of restaurants that make you feel bad about yourself because they give you plates and forks and stuff? Yeah, baby! Do you want to eat like a real American? <laughs> well, come to Buckets! Buckets! Buckets is the only chain restaurant in America where your food is served entirely in buckets! Read my lips. No new taxes. We got buckets of ribs, burgers, fries, cheese, and two flavors of ranch. Hot or wet. Buckets. So come to Buckets today. We're located next to every old mall in town. And tell them Team Tiger Awesome sent you. And I'm truly. To find out more about Buckets, check out the Team Tiger Awesome show every Sunday on the Jericho Network. Stupid idiot. Yeah, I think I like the Paul Giamatti uh, trading cards better, but that can only come from the twisted minds of Team Tiger Awesome, um, one of my favorite uh, group of guys to have on this show and have their own show, which is why you need to listen to them every Sunday on the Jericho Network on Podcast One. Go subscribe at Apple Podcasts and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and go ahead and do the same for all the shows in the Jericho Network. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon, uh, new episodes every Monday. Uh, he's got a, a, an episode up there with an interview he did with Gene Simmons of Kiss when he was like 10 years old. Uh, Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. New episodes every Tuesday. Great episode this week. Uh, Cyrus is live in Japan. Uh, Tom Lawler, filthy Tom Lawler from uh, from UFC. And uh, he, he gives his review on Extreme Rules. He's also a pro wrestler. And Lance Storm talks about the time he almost broke his neck. The Raven Effect. New episodes every Monday. Still going through the origins of his wrestling career in Portland. The beginning. And man, you got to listen to Raven's show if you like the psychology of wrestling. He's so smart. Uh, and of course, the flagship show, Keep It at 100 with Conan. On Thursdays, this week, Vince Russo makes a fool of himself. Uh, and uh, Johnny Mondo, uh, as cool as he always is, check that out. Beyond the Darkness, take, talking all things paranormal every Monday through Friday, scaring the poopski out of you five days a week. And the fine folks from Beyond the Darkness also have another podcast, True Crime Tuesdays. You get this exclusively at patreon.com. Sign up now, and just for five bucks a month, you get a new episode every Tuesday with no ads. These episodes are completely commercial-free. Get to patreon.com and sign up for True Crime Tuesdays. And, uh, wow, and the two words of Jericho shows I did in Ireland were fantastic. Both of them were stone-cold sellouts, lots of laughs, great stories were told. I got another one coming up in my hometown of Winnipeg with uh, special guests of Slant Storm and Cyrus. That'll be August 25th at the Club Region Event Center. Tickets available at Ticketmaster now. Go check that out, man. We had so much fun at the Words of Jericho. I think I'm going to do a lot more of these in the future. Uh, just me telling great stories from my career, ridiculous stories, and having a few laughs, making fun of myself, and entertaining, which is what I do best. 
guest. Uh, so a shout out to that event. A shout out to all the great Talk is Jericho sponsors. You can find them at podcastone.com. Just click on the Killer Deals button at the top of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button. All right. Thanks to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You're getting 20% off the DDP Yoga app and all DDPY related merch. Of course, A&E talking about alone uh, and then True Car. Go check it out for a cheaper, quicker car buying experience. Thanks for listening. Keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next and on Friday. The ambassador for heavy metal on satellite radio, the man behind Sirius XM's Liquid Metal channel, the guy who introduced Metallica at the Big Four show in New York uh, at the personal request of James Hetfield, talking about Jose Mangan. If you're in the heavy metal world, you know how influential Jose is. He's like a modern-day Eddie Trunk, and man, what a great guy. He's got some great rock and roll heavy metal stories about basically taking over the entire heavy metal division uh, on XM radio. Uh, stories about Megadeth, Metallica, Pantera, and Anthrax, King, Howard Stern, Dimebag Daryl, James Hetfield, uh, Dave Mustaine, so many great heavy metal stories. Jose Mangan is going to be here, one of the most uh, uh, hyper, excited, uh, genuinely good guys I've ever met. He's going to be here on Friday to talk all things Octane, all things Liquid Metal, all things Sirius XM Heavy Metal, and they've been playing the crap out of Judas. Thank you guys for that. Uh, once again, thanks for everybody who came and rocked with us at Download. Thanks for everybody who listened today. And uh, we'll see you on Friday with Jose Mangan. But in the meantime, in the between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.